Well, hey, everybody, welcome to Real Church for Real People. You glad to be here today? Anybody? Hope you're having a great experience so far, and for all of you joining us online, we're very glad you're along for the ride. We are in week two of a series that we've called Red Flags, which is all about relationship issues, and uh, if you are joining us for the first time during the series, encourage you, you can go back and watch week one of the series. Uh, you can find that on our website, yourjourney.tv, or on our app, and uh, get caught up. Every part of this series, there are four installments to it, and they all kind of uh, work together, so I encourage you to go back and watch that uh, sometime this coming week, and then if you're here today and you're kind of new to the whole church thing, maybe you're just checking us out, not sure what you believe about God and faith and all of that yet, uh, I'm very glad you're here. I hope you've had an encouraging experience so far, as I mentioned, and uh, very glad you're in the room. So uh, we're going to dive right in today, and I'm, I want to give you a little heads up. We're going we're gonna to dig kind of deep today, all right? So uh, this is the weekend, so uh, you're welcome. And um, we're going to kind of do some heavy lifting, but just stay with me wherever you are in your spiritual journey. I think in the end you're going to see uh, it, it really can be a powerful moment for you at some point uh, today. I really believe that and I pray for that. So here's how I want to dive in. How many of us have wondered why people do the things they do in relationships? You know, those people, anybody like you ever wonder, like scratch your head, like those people. I'm talking about the dysfunctional stuff that those people do. Not us, we don't do, but I'm talking about those people. You know what I'm talking about? And, uh, you know, we, we all know like that couple that fights about everything. You know, they're dating or engaged or married and they just, we, here they go again. Anybody know that couple? Like they're always fighting about everything. And then some of us have that, that family member who drives us crazy with how judgmental or negative they are about everything. You know, anybody have that family member? Anybody bring them with you today? Just want to kind of point them out, you know? Or maybe we have that friend who is uh, really controlling or embarrassing, or how many of us have that friend who disappears sometimes for weeks at a time? We're like, where did you go? What's up with that? And they're like, oh, you know, I've just been doing some stuff and I need you to help me move. Like, oh, okay, you're that friend. You just, you just need me to help you with stuff. Anybody, come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Those people. Aren't you glad we're not like those people, everybody? And yet, how many of us, if we're honest, have caught a glimpse of ourselves like I have in the relationship mirror at times, and wondered, this will take a little bit more courage, wondered why we do the stuff we do. Anybody just like, why did I react that way? Why did I say that? Why did I think that? Why do I keep getting caught in that, in that way of responding? And I, I have those things in my life. I have issues. So right up front, if you were kind of hoping to find a church with a pastor who doesn't have issues, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Uh, I can recommend a number of churches where the pastors pretend they don't have issues, but at this one, I have issues, and I am a work in progress, and I often find myself in life, even though I've been following Jesus for a long time now, I still find myself at times going, where did that come from? When I think or speak or act or react in a certain way, where did that come from? And I think a lot of us have been there. And uh, maybe even just in the past 48 hours, we've had a moment like that. I think a lot of us, if we're honest, know deep down, some part of us knows it's not just those people. It's not just other people who are the problem. They may be 99% of the problem, but I think some part of most of us knows if we could just get past our issues, our lives and our relationships could be better. And I know for some of us, we're like, no, I don't have any issues. Other people have all the issues. And if that's you, and I mean this without any kind of uh, snark or anything, like if, if you don't see your own issues, that's okay. Come back when you're ready. <laughs> the day will come when you will be ready, just so you know. Uh, but for most of us, we know we have issues. 
And the problem is it's so hard to overcome some of these repetitive things in our lives. Sometimes I think it can feel like there's this script, this invisible script we're all following, and it's almost impossible to break free from. Have you ever felt that way? So the question today is, is that true? Is there a script? And if so, is there any hope that we can change? That's what we're going to talk about this weekend. So if you're new to the Bible, there is a storyline in the Old Testament of the Bible. So the period of time before Jesus came, there's a big storyline at the very beginning about God promising his people a land, their very own land that he wanted to bring them into. God's people uh, were promised this place by God, but their issues kept getting in the way. So the people of God have been slaves in the nation of Egypt for hundreds of years, and finally God intervened. And you can read about this in the Bible. He does all these, these wild miracles, these humanly impossible things to get his people out of this place of, of enslavement that they've been in and bring them into the place that he's promised them. And so he, he leads them out of Egypt through a, a man named Moses, and he brings them, God brings them to the border of the land that he has promised them, which is a big deal during this time to have your own land as a nation. And God says, okay, we're, we're here, we've arrived. And the people freak out, which is not what God was, you know, had planned, but they, they're scared to move forward. And they, they start saying, well, the people in the land are too big and it's scary. I don't think we can do this. And they start talking about going back to Egypt, which is crazy, right? I mean, there were slaves there. Egypt was not good on any level. But the people get so convinced that what they need to do is go back to what they're familiar and comfortable with that they actually start talking about, let's kill Moses, because Moses is like, no, this is, what, this is the whole plan, guys. We're supposed to go into the land. They're like, no, and if you get in our way, we're going to kill you. And they start talking about killing Joshua and Caleb, who are two other leaders that have been encouraging them to go seize the promises of God. And then God steps in. And God speaks to Moses, and this apparently, and you can read about this, this had happened so often, it's not the first time the people had acted this way, that God says, Mo, I've had it. Like, I'm done. I'm out. These people are so messed up. Like, no matter what I do, they don't trust me. They don't believe me. They just, I'm out. And before I'm out, I'm going to wipe them out. To which Moses is like, uh-uh, can we talk about this? Just before you, before you do that, can we talk about this? And Moses prays this prayer. It's fascinating. He says, please, Lord, prove that your power is as great as you have claimed. For you said, the Lord is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion. Now, when you think about God, what comes to mind? For some of us, when we think about God, we, we think of this kind grandpa in the sky, right? He's got like a white beard and he's always got a couple extra bucks, you know. Good to see you, kids, you know? It's like we think of this guy who, you know, passes out blessings every once in a while and he just, he, you know, he's just sort of kind and gentle all the time and doesn't really have a strong opinion about anything. Uh, others of us think of this cosmic invisible force. So we're like, is God, like, you just can't really nail him down, doesn't really have a personality or a nature or anything like that. He's like, the force be with you. That's what we think about as God, like, ooh, you know. And then others of us, we might not like this, that it's what comes to mind, but it does for some of us. We think of an angry ogre who just takes great delight in human suffering, can't wait to snuff people out. He just, he's always angry and full of judgment that he just is looking for somebody to pour it on. Moses says, God, here's who I know you to be, not because this is who I think you are 
or who my culture says you are, or who religion says you are. God, this is who you say you are. You are slow to anger, you are filled with unfailing love, and you forgive every kind of sin and rebellion. And the fascinating thing about this is that if you read earlier in the Old Testament, that's exactly what God said about himself to Moses. Moses is just repeating back to God, this is who you said you are, slow to anger, full of unfailing love, and you forgive every kind of sin and rebellion. Now, I know for some of us, especially if you're not really sure what you believe about God yet, that word sin is kind of a hang-up, right? I feel like that's a really heavy-handed word, sin and it's like, what is, what, what is that all about? Kind of makes us feel uncomfortable. Here's what I want to encourage you to think of, though. That word sin is just a synonym. See what I did there? Um, I have issues. So that word sin is just a synonym for issues. Think about it. And we all have issues. Can we all agree? How many of us just by a show of hands would say, okay, we all have issues. And if you did not raise your hand, that is your issue. So I think we have 100% agreement. We all have issues, right? We all have issues. And so when you read that word sin, it's just really a synonym for issues. We all have issues. So God would say we all have sins. We all have things that are less than God's best for us or less than our best for God. They're not what he originally intended for us. All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's good and glorious standard for our lives. The good news is God forgives every kind of sin, every kind of issue, no matter what they are. And that's really important because if you're like, I'm not really sure I believe in God, then you have to live in this space where some things are forgivable and some are not. But with God, he can forgive every kind of sin and issue. He's the only one who can do that. And in fact, when you think about it, the most startling thing about God is not that he takes issue with our issues. <clears throat> the most startling thing about God <clears throat> is that he's as patient with us as he is. I mean, think about it. If we were God, would we put up with some of the people we know for as long as God has? Would we have put up with us for as long as God has? I mean, if, if you had all power, aren't there some people who don't use their blinker you would have taken out by now? <laughs> Honestly, you just, it just takes the right day, and you're like, you know what? I got all this power for a reason, you know? But God doesn't do that. He's, he's patient toward us, and so God's character is patient, but that's not the only thing about God's character, and that's not all that's going on here. Watch this next part. Again, Moses is repeating back to God, this is who you say you are. He does not excuse the guilty. He lays the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation. Ah, so there is a script there is a script that many of us are living out in our decisions and our relationships. And the reason it is so hard to break free from is generational. It's been passed down to us. It may not even be obvious. We may not even be aware of it. But there's something that's worked its way through our family tree, our genetic makeup, it just worked its way into our lives. Some issues have been passed down to us. When I was in my 20s, I was with a group of friends, and we were watching a movie about a guy who gets stranded on a deserted island. And the first part of the movie is really intense, but then as, as time went on, we got kind of in the middle of the movie, slows way down. The guy's been on the island for a long time. It's very clear. No one's coming to save him. He's all alone. 
He has nobody, you know, to talk to, interact with. And everybody's quiet. We're watching this movie. I'm with a group of my friends. And all of a sudden, I blurted out involuntarily, man, guys, wouldn't that be awesome? And my friends just kind of looked at me, sort of like you're doing right now. They're like, no, I wouldn't. Guys, on a deserted island, like you got no one to talk to except a volleyball. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Wilson. That's not awesome. Like, what is wrong with you, Johnston? And as I reflected on it later, I realized it turns out I had people in my family tree who, when things got difficult, escaped. And they would go away sometimes for a Weeks at a time, all by themselves. Nothing, nothing wrong with alone time, but this was, I'm realizing there's some escapism that's been passed down through my family tree. And I recognize like a red flag that when my problems get difficult, sometimes I start to fantasize about, man, what would it be like if I just didn't have to deal with any of this? Come on, some of us have this experience every time we drive by the Powerball sign. Like you start saying what you would say to your boss just as you drive by. You're like, I already got it. I got a script, all right. I got to figure it out. And there's, for me, there's some escapism that's been passed down. It's like a red flag. Give you another one. And I'm giving you some of my more innocent issues. Like I've got deeper issues than this, but you know, let's, let's not put it all in one message. All right. So I'll give you another one. Flip side. I find it very difficult to stop working for any length of time, like an hour. And I know it's kind of like, oh, your greatest weakness is how hard you work. You know, I get, I get the kind of stereotype, but it's actually been a real issue in my life. And I, like, I've dr- driven my family crazy many times. My wife, you know, for years, we didn't like have a day off. And I'd be like, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to fix? What are we going to do? I got to do some work. I got to do that. And she'd be like, I don't know what you're going to do. I'm going to sit in this couch and watch you melt down because this is awesome. This is the most entertainment I've had all week, you know? And I was just like bundle of nerves. I got to work. I got to work. I got to work. Where does that come from? Well, I have someone in my family tree. I have a couple people in my family tree who stopped working for a while and never started again. And I'm terrified of that. I'm scared that if I stop, I won't be able to start again. And I kind of feel like, you know, I sustain the universe as well. Come on, anybody else have that little complex sometimes? You're like, if I don't work, I mean, how will the sun keep shining? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody married to anybody? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, okay, okay. Issues. We all have stuff like this. Just passed down to us. They're scripts. And can you see how whether we repeat a script over and over again or desperately try to avoid it, it causes issues? And think about your relationships because we all have stuff like this. And there are probably ways in which you just keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Don't even know why you do it. You react the same way. Every time you're, you're triggered in a certain way, always react the same way. And you're like, why did I do that? Oh, let me do it again. Why did I do that? Let me do it again. Or some of us are desperately trying to avoid. We're like, I will never be like that. How many of us have somebody in our family like, I will never be like that? And gradually, we're becoming more and more like that. Issues, scripts, generational stuff. And here's what I believe That without God transforming us from the inside out, we are actually powerless to change those scripts in a lasting way. We may fake it for a while. We may live a long time as if we've totally escaped all the generational baggage that comes along with us. But eventually we will drift back. Eventually we'll be like, you know what I want to do? I want to go back to Egypt. That's what I want to do. I want to go back to what's comfortable, familiar, and dysfunctional. 
because we have these scripts and we know they're not helping us. And again, no judgment, all right? I've got them, you've got them. We all agreed, 100% of us have issues. But we know they're not helping us. We know we're not getting to where we wanna get in life, but these things are just so comfortable and familiar and so easy to go back to, kind of like Egypt for those people that we read about. Now remember the good news. God forgives every kind of sin. He forgives every kind of issue. God is not like us in that respect. We gauge and measure and dole out a little bit of forgiveness and hold back. God is gracious. But our issues, the impact of our issues actually continues until we have the courage to confront them. Have you seen those ads, those insurance ads where somebody does something dumb and then the second person's like, you did something dumb and the first person's like, no, I didn't. And the second person says, Let's check the replay. You seen those ads? We know what's gonna happen next, right? It's gonna be obvious. So once you check the replay, it's clear, you know, yeah, this, you were living in denial. If we wanna see change in our lives and in our relationships, change starts when we check the replay. When we start looking at our thoughts and our words and our choices, from a different angle. We start acknowledging our broken scripts. We have to become aware of the red flags of these generational scripts that have been wired into us when we're willing to take inventory of our own issues and face reality by the grace of God. We can change. So Moses prays. He says, God, I want you to forgive these people. And the Lord said, all right, I'll forgive them, not because they're good, but because I'm good. I will pardon them as you have requested, but... As surely as I live, and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter the land. So they're gonna be forgiven, but they're not gonna receive my promise. Why, God? Because they have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. Man, God says, Moses, I'm gonna forgive them because I'm good that way, but they are not gonna enter the land. They're not gonna have the life they could have had because they are not willing to own their issues. So I'm gonna forgive them, but they're not gonna enter the land. Aren't you glad we're not like those people? I mean, we're not like... None of us are like people that God's done so much for, but when things get hard, we still go back to our old ways of dealing with them. Aren't you glad we're not like those people? (laughs) You're like, I don't know if you're joking, man, if I should feel scared, like I don't know what to do. They said church was a safe place. (laughs) Okay, all right, listen. (laughs) So we are like those people. Many times, I am, you are, we all are, it's part of our human condition. And the problem is for some of us, we are forgiven because God is good and Jesus paid for our sins. But we are not really free. You can be forgiven and not live like a free person. And it shows up, and when things get hard in our relationships especially, we often wanna go back to Egypt. We're not living life the way we could be living life. And it's not because we have issues. Everybody has issues. It's because we protect our issues. We return to our issues. We explain away our issues. We make excuses for our issues. We blame other people for our issues. We ignore our issues. We deflect our issues. What could happen if we admitted them and surrendered them to a gracious God? Change starts when you check the replay 
and you go, you know what, upon further analysis, maybe I got some issues. That's where change begins. So why do we avoid that so intensely? Uh, Here's my theory. I think we avoid checking the replay because we do not want to experience an emotion that is difficult to experience. It's the emotion of regret. None of us wants to experience regret. It's not comfortable, it's not enjoyable. The thing is though, regret is actually, I believe, necessary for change. Not shame. Shame is self-defeating and self-absorbed. Shame is actually just a desire to go back to Egypt. Real regret is different from shame. Real regret is understanding I am living in a way that violates a value that I'm realizing now is important to me. And I'm I'm willing to face that by the grace of God and lean into that pain so that I can change. Real regret is where we check the replay, not over and over again obsessively, but openly and honestly. And real regret actually leads us to something the Bible calls repentance. Repenting literally means a 180 degree turn. I was going this way, but then I checked the replay and I was like, that's not the way I wanna go. By God's grace, I wanna go this way. And we turn from the issues that we've relied on and we surrender our lives to God and we trust him to transform us so that we can move forward into his promises. And the good news is, this is a powerful principle that can change our futures. In fact, watch this. God says, I'm gonna forgive the people. Everybody gets forgiveness, 100%, everybody. You asked Moses, I'm a gracious God, I'm gonna forgive everybody. Now everybody gets to go into the land, but my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored, and his descendants will possess their full share of that land. So I'm gonna do something for Caleb that will change his future and his family tree. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean Caleb didn't have issues? No, everybody has issues. Caleb came from a flawed family tree just like all of us do. What it means is that Caleb had a different attitude toward his issues and a different attitude toward God. He faced his issues and he surrendered his life to God and that's all it takes. It takes a different attitude. That's what flips our family script. Now, there may be other things involved. There may be things we have to address on a mental, physical, emotional health level. There may be counseling. There may be intervention. There may be restitution. All those things may happen, but no one changes until their attitude changes. No one, no one changes while they're still blaming outside forces for the condition of their own soul. No one changes who's still saying, well, the reason I am the way I am is because of this thing that I cannot change or control. No one changes until they check the replay and go, actually, (laughs) I have issues. And I need God to help me change. I know, some of us are going, really, this is the weekend I come to church. Do we have to talk about this? And the answer actually is no. We don't have to go this deep if you just want forgiveness. But if you sense that God may have some promises for you for a different kind of life, then we have to talk about this. Because God forgives every kind of issue, but unconfronted issues are keeping you from the land God has for you. That's a big deal. So what is a different attitude? A different attitude is when I stop expecting another person to fulfill me, and I learn to live in the fulfillment that comes in Christ alone. 
A different attitude is when I face and forgive the past instead of using it as a reason for ongoing escapism and resentment. A different attitude is when I admit I need help instead of promising in empty ways again and again, that was the last time and I'll never do it again. A different attitude is when I stop hiding behind shame and fear and I start taking responsibility for the way my life is going. A different attitude is when I decide I will no longer blame my circumstances that I can't control for my own lack of self-control. A different attitude is when I stop enabling the people in my life to ruin their life and instead lovingly allow them to face the consequences of their decisions so that they may check their own replay, experience godly sorrow and regret, and come to a place of repentance and change. Change starts when we check the replay. It is this thing called repentance. And I know, we, like we live in a world where people are like, nobody's out there going, regret is a good thing, right? We're like, no regrets, got no regrets. How many of us have <clears throat> heard that said? There's like a bumper sticker, no regrets. Live a life with no regrets. That's so foolish. <laughs> Go scrape that thing off your bumper, man. It's just, that's so foolish. You know what regret is? The right kind of regret is a red flag that gives you hope that things could still change. It's a gift from God. It's a painful gift, but it's a gift from God. Don't try to live a life with no regret. Live a life where you pay attention to the regret. And instead of wallowing in shame or fear, you surrender to God and you change. Here's what I'm saying. Your life can be better. Now, I don't mean necessarily easier. Some of us are like, oh yeah, I want that better life where everybody does what they're supposed to do. Actually, a better life, by God's definition, is when you start to live the kind of life that at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what anybody else does or doesn't do. You know who you are and whose you are, and you live from a place of security and honesty, and you own your issues. I'm telling you, your life can be better. Your relationships can be better, but your, your pride is getting in the way. You say, how, how dare you? How do you know that? Because mine gets in my way. And I think we're both human. Your family tree can get better. It's not just brokenness that gets passed down through family trees. Blessing can get passed down too. And by the grace of God, that's what can happen in your life. I've seen it over and over. I have friends who nearly lost their families because of the way they've lived, but when they were willing to check the replay by the grace of God and they surrendered their lives to God, God gave them a redo and restored something that looked impossible to restore. It's the grace of God. It can happen, it can happen. I've seen couples who both of their parents were divorced, but they decided early on, we're gonna recognize the red flags in our relationship and the generational scripts that say when it gets hard, quit. We're gonna recognize that, and by the grace of God, they are laying a foundation for a lifetime covenant of marriage because of the power of God at work in their lives. They check the replay. I've seen men overcome sexual addiction and have restored relationships with their wives and daughters, relationships they never thought they could have, and now it's not purity and secrecy and shame getting passed down through their family tree. It's blessing and healing and grace getting passed down through their family tree. You could change. 
you can change. And every time I've seen that, and I'm gonna ask you to trust me on this, I've been doing this for a medium amount of time. I don't wanna say long time because it makes me seem old. I'm not old, I'm actually, I'm remarkably young. <laughs> but I've been doing this for a while. And man, I, like if I have a gift, I don't have a ton of them, but if, if I have a gift, it's pattern recognition. I'm just telling you, every time I have seen someone's life transformed by God for the long term, it's always required three things over and over. Real repentance. Nobody changes when they're just looking for a quick fix. Real repentance. God, I checked the replay, it's not working. Real surrender. I'm gonna stop trying to fix my life on my own. I'm giving my life over to God and real community. I've got a group of people around me that I'm doing life with who have decided to recognize their own scripts and not go running back to Egypt every time something gets hard. They've decided to enter into the promises of God. And on that last one, real community, that's why we have over 200 J groups for you to choose from this spring. Because you need a space with some people who are like, you know what? Egypt wasn't that great. God has better things. Maybe hard, but I'm gonna keep pressing into the promises of God because change starts when you check the replay. All right, almost done. I gotta give you two more things real quick. Number one, you have something Caleb didn't have. You have Jesus. So before Jesus came, this is the best part. Before Jesus came, God was gracious. There are not two gods. There's not an Old Testament God and a New Testament God. Same God. He was gracious in the Old Testament, gracious in the New. But in the Old Testament, the curse of sin and death was active in the world. Sin could be forgiven by God, but it could never be fully removed until there was a sacrifice that could cover our sins. So the law of sin and death was active, which, me, which means that generational sin was like a disease that infected all of creation, wove its way through relationships. There was nothing but dysfunction over and over again. Jesus came as the cure for the disease, and he died to forgive our sins. That's good news. But he did not die just to forgive our sins. Jesus said, I came so you could have a rich and satisfying life. I wanna lead you into the promises of God for your life. Doesn't mean your life gets easier, it means it gets richer and deeply satisfying regardless of your circumstances. Jesus said, if I make you free, you'll be free for sure. And so Jesus offers us hope we can change. You can change. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. So here's what that means. Check the replay. Everybody isn't out to get you. That's just a script. You can have boundaries in that relationship. It's just a script. You don't have to hide your secrets. That lie that no one will love you if you get real about what you struggle with just a script. You are not destined to be afraid, alone, or active in your addiction for the rest of your life. That's just a script, and God can help you flip it. It's what he does. 
God transforms lives. The power of Jesus is still able, is more able than ever to take a human life that is broken, that is caught up in a generational script of dysfunction, and whether it's some kind of mild thing or something that's taken over your life, the power of God can change your life. Just gonna take a different attitude. You gotta check the replay. Look at it from a different angle. Real repentance, real surrender, real community. Your life can be better when you flip the script by the power of God. And if you'd say week two of this series, man, I want that. I don't wanna just be forgiven. I'm so thankful I am, but I don't wanna stop there. I wanna live like a free person in Jesus. I wanna enter into the promises of God. If you'd say that, would you just lift your hand all over the room? Online, you can participate in this. Hold it up high. Come on, boldly. It's a declaration. I wanna go into the land that God has for me. Let me pray it over us. Father, we love and honor you today. It's a holy moment for us. The same God that Moses prayed to is here with us today. Slow to anger full of unfailing love. You forgive every kind of issue. So we bring ours to you. Come on, would you do that right now? Make it personal. God, I bring to you my issues and through faith in Jesus, I ask you to transform me. I surrender the areas of my life that I've held back from you. I ask for your power to break the scripts that have governed the way I think and speak and act. I'm no longer a slave. Come on, declare it based on the word of God. I'm no longer a slave because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. I am free. Teach me to live like a free person by your power. And while you let God speak to you for a moment more, it's possible for some of you today that the past few minutes has been an aha moment and maybe an uncomfortable one in some ways, but you've realized why your life isn't working why you keep doing the same things over and over again, expecting different results. The truth is only God can restore us to sanity. And he does that through his son, Jesus. And when you come to God in real repentance, meaning you turn from the life you've tried to live without God, and you put your faith in Jesus, real surrender to him, he gives you the power to live a new kind of life. And if you want that today, I'd love to lead you in a very simple prayer. If God's drawing you to him, that you can take that step. So I want everyone to join me. Just open your heart up big to God. Come on, everybody in the room, everybody online. And if that's you today, you wanna put your faith in Jesus, whisper out a prayer of faith right where you are, something like this. Jesus, today I believe in you. And I'm turning to you by faith. I surrender my life. I do not have the power to live the way you want me to live on my own. I need you. Save me today. I'm gonna follow you. And if that's you, everyone around you stays focused on God. If you would say, that's my prayer. I'm putting my faith in Jesus today. Would you lift your hand? Let's hold it up boldly so I can see it. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Thank God, yes, 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 yes. It's awesome. If you're online, you can type the word faith in the comments, whatever platform you're on, share that with us. And then Journey, would you help me? Come on, let's celebrate the God who transforms lives. Can we do that together?